Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of the Two Average Brown Bros podcast. I'm your host, Brashane. And I'm your host, Andres. And we're coming at you with a brand new Monday episode, August 21st, 2023. Andres, what's happening on this fine August Monday? Not much, you know, just enjoying the last little bit of the summer. Enjoy. It's still kind of nice over here. Weather all over the place, but just try to make the most out of it. How are you, Brigitte? What are you doing? Same old, same old. Um, it seems like this summer we've been enjoying a lot of time in and around Ottawa. It's crazy to me how, you know, travel is back up for a lot of people, um, especially this year. You know, it's the first, I, I want to say COVID-free, quote-unquote, summer for a lot of people. And I was talking to some people at the airport when I went to go apply for my Nexus. And they said travel is back to like 80, 90% what it was um, before COVID. So things are really, really busy, but it hasn't really felt that way to me. Although I did have a lot of things early in the summer since, you know, early July, I would say. Um, I haven't really got up to much. It's mostly been around auto, which I don't mind because it has been nice. I've been doing a lot of things here, seeing things that I normally wouldn't see in the summer if I had left. But nonetheless, it's been a pretty fun summer. That's good to hear, man. That things are getting up to where they're supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, there's good and bad in that, and we can talk about that in the, another episode. But definitely, I think, you know, it's always good to see people do what they like, aka traveling, getting around, going places. Um, recently, it it does seem like a lot of things are getting busier, even around town, right? A lot more people can't feel comfortable going to the malls or events around town. So honestly, I think that's always great because sometimes during COVID, I, just, I did miss those big crowds. <laughs> uh, sometimes a little bit, not all the time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Brishang, what did you learn this week? So this past week, something um, I learned. So this was more for me personally, but I learned how to use Microsoft Outlook forms. So if you don't know, Microsoft Outlook has a function in it that you can create forms. And when you, you need to create a template for other people to fill out and send it back to you right away, you know, or multiple people to fill out a similar type of form and send it back to you, whether it's for financial activities or project related things that, you know, instead of typing it over and over or creating an Excel and Word template that people not necessarily always fill out, you can just load a template on Microsoft Outlook, fill it out and send it to anyone else. So I learned how to make that. So it's kind of hard to describe it, but if anyone's interested, let me know. I'll definitely show you how to do that because it's it's very easy. And I learned it's really powerful because there's so many things that you can do with it such as create formulas within the template itself. So if you have multi-year projects and you can add them all up, you know, not rely on other people's calculations. Uh, like we're all human, we can make, make mistakes or radio dial buttons. So you can just select one of the four options or whatever. So it was really cool and unique. Um, I do love, you know, creating different templates and forms, which I have been doing in the last year or so in my work, but this was something completely new and unique to me that I did do it. Saw it from the beginning to the end, and it was really cool, but that's what I learned last week. How about you, Andreas? What did you learn this past week? 
Um, where did I learn this past week? Where well, I've been uh, doing a little bit of running training. So basically, what I learned kind of like was just the different, the different patterns and training programs in order to kind of like build up your stamina and endurance, especially for long, like any type of run, but especially for a long distance run. So kind of like getting used and learning a little bit more about uh, recovery runs and uh, how to efficiently run interval training days. And yeah, it's just been a learning experience on kind of how to train your body, especially your kind of like your respiratory capacity and your heart to be able to uh to go on for a, such a long period of time, right? Compared to uh, that, basically how to build the um, the stamina and endurance to be able to be, uh, be able to run long distances. Um, so yeah, that's been it's been quite interesting to get to know more of that. But um, it's been nice to learn about it and that it's not just about going out and running every day a certain amount of kilometers or a certain amount of time uh, but also that there's some build-up to it and there's an actual strategy on how to train for uh for long distance running so that's been fun nice so is this in preparation for doing a marathon or are you trying to do iron man competition what's the plan on this i'm running a half marathon later in september so um getting ready for that so uh I mean, there's some people that can just run it without preparation, but uh, I think I need to. I needed the preparation. So every week, just learning something new about how to not only on the running part, but also kind of like what should I be doing on my rest days, recovery, uh, what my meal plan should look like in order to uh, get the most out of the training. So it's been fun and it's been enjoyable and something that gives me a little bit of a sense of our routine per se. We love it. Yeah, keep us updated on your marathon and tell us how it goes. For sure, I will do that. So Andres, what are we talking about on this lovely, fine August Monday? So a lot of things been happening lately, especially also here uh, in the true north. Um, a lot happening, not all great news, um, but yeah, so there's just a lot of current events that I think they grant they grant the discussion. Absolutely. So to start off right away, we we you know there's just so many things happening. Um, the number one big thing is well, I mean, number one could really depend on who you talk to, but for right now, on this episode, I'd say number one is the wildfires in Hawaii and Yellowknife. Hawaii, let's get into that first because that I think that started a little bit earlier than the Yellowknife one. But man, can we talk about how bad those wildfires look? Yeah, I mean, they were look terrifying. Yeah, so I guess the, it was in Lahaina, Lahaina in Hawaii, in the island of Maui for the most part. Up to right now, so August 21st, there's been more than four fires with over 17,000 acres being burnt and the cost estimated with that is around $6 billion and with destroyed buildings over 2,200 and over 
100 deaths already with um, still 850 people missing and 67 more than 67 people with injuries and it is very devastating because you know canada went through this fire or a fire early in the year when the nova scotia was on fire and bc and alberta was on fire now seeing hawaii you know just burned to the ground almost i don't know if you've seen pictures andreas but some that the town just looks devastated i saw this one photo where it was the only house remaining on in the whole neighborhood you know miraculously somehow that house survived but the rest of the neighborhood and the rest of the houses trees were burnt down yeah well it just it's just devastating because a lot of this nature nature this natural disasters is just um they're very uh one sometimes they're very unpredictable you don't know where they're coming but then the effect they have on communities it's um it is basically pretty pretty instantaneous right it's not something you can prepare for i mean you can prepare for some of it there's prevention thing but once they come it's really hard to be able to to handle and like they do have a high um they do have a high um, damage rate in a certain way. And there's just some, like, it's just devastating in terms of kind of like the, the immediate damage they cause. But thinking about long run, what they do, it's even, it's even hard to imagine some of this, uh, some, like, what people have to go through, right? Especially when, uh, in the case of Hawaii, right, you're on an island in a certain way, you're trapped in there until like you're able to get out of it, or if in this, a lot of it cannot be. So it just makes things a lot scarier because you don't know how, in terms of wildfires, you don't, it's very hard to understand how, how it will, how, how would it behave and any little thing can change the direction of how it will spread. Exactly. And, you know, the worst part is like the high winds, which really accelerate how fast the fire spreads and where it goes that, you know, it it's really not up to us. It's really up to, up to Mother Nature. Right. And we really have no control over Mother Nature. And this goes back to the discussion we had about protecting the environment. And, you know, there is things we can do. But by far, I think Mother Nature wants to do that, her own thing. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Well, it's just very unpredictable and just wants to get a handle of it. There's a lot, so many resources that have to go into it. And sometimes those resources are not available right away. So it takes a long time to get there. And then there's just so much people can do at the time that they're facing it. Yeah. And I, I so recently I also read that the wildfires in Hawaii is one of the deadliest in U.S. history, um, according to the fatalities count, because there's been a lot more uh, more deadly ones, but way back in the day, you know, with the most recent one being in 1918 in Minnesota and Wisconsin, and that killed over 400 people. Um, the most recent one in this list was in 2018 in California, and that killed 85. So I think this one will probably exceed that 100 Right now, considering it's at 114 plus, it's probably going to exceed 150, maybe even 200, because there's still a lot of people missing. And, you know, strength and prayers to all the people living out there that are affected by it. Because 
it's not easy to deal with, right? Not only does it affect your, you know, physical being, but also mental, mentally, emotionally. And I mean, people literally have to get evacuated. And especially when you're in a place like Hawaii, when you're on an island or islands, it's hard to leave the place that you've pretty much grown up in or, you know, even getting flights out of there, not very easy compared to some of the other places in continental North America. Yeah, that's the that's the hard part. It's just uh, being on a live island poses even more challenges that people could even imagine. And being so far away from the continental United States makes things even harder for resources to get there uh, right on time. Yep, absolutely. And similarly, you know, although not an island, right now I believe in Canada, the, there's two big fire locations, one of them being the Yellowknife in the Northwest Territories and the other one being in Kelowna, British Columbia. And those, not as bad as the other ones yet, but still pretty bad, I think. Um, they're, I mean, in turn and way, they're, they're just, um, they are... They're very devastating, especially like in the terms of the territories, even though it's still kind of like continental, it's the kind of like the communities that are getting impacted by this, uh, by the wildfires are communities that usually are neglected or isolated or have been marginalized by the system. So there's that also uh, the Northwest Territories and First Nations surrounding Yellowknife, um, a lot of their livelihoods depend on the land. So this just poses even more. And based on connectivity, uh, Yellowknife, in a certain way, it's not as well connected to the rest of Canada. So in terms of people being able to evacuate, it's not, it's not as easy as like evacuating other areas uh, throughout kind of like the provinces compared to the territory. So that's indeed kind of like for the Yellowknife, what makes these wildfires a little bit harder for people to manage and to able to cope with is just the different layers that go into it. And then in BC in Kelowna, it's just the damage and the impact that it's having right now on the Okanagan Valley, which is like one of the bigger uh bigger parts of the, what we will be calling the inland of BC, which uh, there's still so many communities there and as well First Nations, which uh, once again, communities that have been marginalized and now they're getting affected by, by this. Absolutely, yeah. And you're absolutely right in the, you know, the territories, they have their own challenges because similar to Hawaii, they are very isolated, right? You can't just get there every way possible. You have to be strategic about it, whether you drive a certain road or fly for most people, you know, they have to fly in and out of these northern, north, um, these northern territories. So it is, it does, it is very challenging, but, and I think this goes back to the environmental topic we had, but it seems like every year, you know, the this natural disasters that we see are getting worse and worse. And, you know, whether you think that's Mother Nature getting back to us for, you know, how we treat treat her or it's just natural cycles of um, weather patterns, I guess, whatever, it does 
seem to be getting worse and worse every year. And that does scare me because while we do live in a great country like Canada, we're not immune to any major events like right now, like we've seen, right? Whether even, you know, personally speaking, in the last month or so, a couple months in Ottawa, we've seen so many tornado watches, a couple of tornadoes even touched down. Obviously not big, big tornadoes, but to the fact where my coworkers even told me, you know, it's never happened in past summers where we have so many tornado watches. Um, so it is kind of scary to even live through something small. So I can't imagine what the people in Kelowna or Northwest Territories or Hawaii are going through right now. It is hard to imagine what people will go through. And it's a combination, I would say, of factors that go into it. But definitely a lot of it is... Um, a lot of it, it is indeed to patterns in climate and a lot of it can be attributed to changing patterns of that have been derived by the climate change, right? Uh, it is just hard to understand. Um, like people question like, why is this keep on happening? Um, I mean, for the time I've been in Canada, like there's been wildfires, but in the past, I would say in the past three years, uh, there's been a lot more wildfires of this magnitude compared to the f first five, seven years that I have lived here. So that kind of like kind of like makes you wonder why are wildfires happening so more often, more recent years, and it kind of like also puts into question um, what governments at every level what are they doing in order like. Some of these things, they can be prevented, but kind of like, what are they doing in terms of like prevention, like for their communities? But at the same time, what are some of those plans that we know this is happening? We know this is going to continue to happen um, uh, because we don't see that much change happening in terms of climate change, unfortunately. So what are those plans like put into place in order to help communities when some of these things have happened. And then like over here, right? A lot of it also, sadly in Canada, another interesting layer now to add is that news are not as widely available because of the, the, um, the online news act that went into action very recently, right? So some people that might have been getting their news through Facebook uh, and that's the only outlet or through whatever uh, platforms that meta, meta manages, right? Uh, or if they're in the pilot trite of Google in which their news got pulled off, uh, you just don't get the news. So by the time you hear, like, I mean, you can still get informed, but like if those are your only news outlets, then they figure out about the wildfires later than what they would have been if news were available. So that's an interesting new layer that now we we will have to face in terms of how do we get news out there when social media and tech giants are not putting them out there for the population in Canada. So that's another thing. And that a lot of it, it did happen in Yellowknife that people were not like, didn't know sometimes about it because there was news were not shared. So yeah, absolutely. And that's a really good point because a lot of times in these isolated communities, it is 
you know, it's hard to see what's happening, even though it might be happening right in front of you. Especially these days, we rely on online presence so much just to get our news or connect with other people. So yeah, that is a very good point. And it's just once again, it's kind of like of that uh, of that preparation, right? So um, in terms of evacuating people, there was an evacuation when people were told to leave Yellowknife. But realistically, out of Yellowknife, um, your way down, the only kind of like one of the few ways down, it's literally to go into Alberta, into Edmonton, right? So what capacity was built in order to, for those that cannot travel, for those that do not have a car and were able to exit by road, what are you doing in terms of um some people are saying like, oh, there's been more, uh, more flights have been added, this, this or that. But at the end of the day, it costs money. It's money that people were not accounting for spending and flying into the territories to begin with. It's not cheap. It's, it's kind of pricey. Uh, it's just like a small flight, even from Edmonton up to the territories. Uh, so, and it's not connected to many different airports, right? So there's just very little options to get out. So what are, it really puts into question what are some of the preparations that um, that we have into this given also understanding the type of forests that we have, uh, that we have up north, which they're, um, they're, that they're evergreens and evergreens, they tend to burn faster than a tropical forest because how dry they have they are so and, um i don't know i, I just how are, are we doing enough in terms of the uh disaster risk reduction are we doing enough to prevent it um what are we doing ecologically what are we doing environmentally but also what are we doing in order to help communities um not even just right now but uh and then like after all of this is passed, what is getting done in order to restore the livelihoods of some of the communities that have been affected the most? And not that I'm not hopeful, but I'm just realistic about usually how some of these uh, communities that have lived with marginalization for many decades, uh, what would happen once this is all over? Don't know, but... Hopefully they do some good and help them out, but uh, history tells otherwise. Yep, exactly. And it is sad to think about that, right? Because it's people's livelihood, it's people's lives we're talking about. There's so many things that needs to be considered that for the most part, it seems like politicians and people in authority don't really care about too much. You know, in the big, in the big picture, yeah, they'll give funding, more funding, maybe more resources but like you said are they actually doing it or are they just doing as a show almost right well yeah you you never know what some people might be thinking or how they're doing and once again it's just that fight right of not fight but that tension between um now it's gonna be like whatever comes out from from these audits uh, or like from the evaluation of ha what happened and like what could happen because, you know, always looking what could have been done better. Now it's just the pointing of fingers, which tends to happen every single time when things like this happen, uh, which 
we we should be concentrating and focusing a little bit more on understanding what can we do better. Uh, we know these disasters are unpredictable. It's kind of like earthquakes, right? Uh, they're very unpredictable. So understanding how how this could happen. And once again, a lot, I don't know. I think it's a little bit probably maybe more um, like people do get prepared for, you know, when we know there's a snowstorm coming, the level of preparation from cities and from people in order to get through snowstorms. I just sometimes feel we're not at that level when it comes to wildfires, but we know it's happening. So where is that level of preparation? Uh, right we know snowstorms are something that happen every year so we're well equipped for that but now that we're facing wildfires every year um why are we as prepared for that as we are for snowstorms yeah because you know i think with that also a lot of the times we are very reactive versus being proactive now that's not to say there's not you know resources right now but i guess the real question is there is there enough and true resources Exactly. And it is just how much is actually getting done for it. Uh, and I mean, the territory is usually like they fall under the federal government. They don't have their provincial one um, to decide a lot of these factors compared to BC where BC does have their own local government. It's able to deploy a lot of some resources faster, which also puts it um, a little bit of challenges because they have to go to provincial uh, solutions before like it really has to be a state of emergency in order for the federal government to intervene which I mean if it's a natural disaster impacting your country I don't think there should be kind of like the federal government should be involved <laughs> right away but for some reason it isn't but that's okay um, well, I mean it's not okay but that's how it works but in the territories it's all federal so now um, which makes it the tricky situation is letting the federal government decide how it, they're going to react. And we know how politics are right now in Ottawa, which probably makes things even harder. But um, on the other side, you know, when you look at preparations down in the States when, you know, just, and this is just completely off topic. Well, not off topic. It's still natural disasters, current news, you know, with hurricane uh, hitting California in LA, people just, you know, like, oh, the hurricane is going to hit this day, so we're going to have a party the day before, two days before. For me, from growing up in a country where the hurricanes hit uh, from both sides, from the Caribbean and the Pacific, just doesn't make sense to do something like that. Everyone is on high watch. And even in the States, when like Florida and that side, like literally the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico currently gets hit by hurricanes, you know, there's a level of preparation to, that goes into it. Um, there's like a sense of, in a certain way, it's a culture to get prepared for all of this disasters and just seeing how the other coast reacts to it. It really kind of really made me question like, huh, really? Are we really partying a day or two days before a hurricane is supposed to head? And um, this is what you choose to do. Okay, sounds great. Absolutely, and that's a perfect segue because I was going to bring up the hurricane season as well, which, so in the Pacific, hurricane season started uh, late July, I guess, or late June and go on until now. So the biggest one so far has been, I believe, Hillary, um, Hurricane Hillary, 
that's on the western side of the U.S., western U.S., western Mexico. And so, so far this season, there's been around, I believe, nine storms, um, systems, I guess, with a couple of them being tropical storms, one being a tropical depression, and three of them being Category 4 hurricanes already, and the rest, one, two, and three. But for, for these ones, you know, hurricanes, the damages hasn't been too much or it's been minimal. The deaths, you know, obviously you can't put a price on human life, but so far I believe there's only been um, five or four deaths in the Pacific for the hurricanes. And as far as the uh, Atlantic, I guess, tropical season, it's been, it started earlier. Um, there's one in January, but that was just a subtropical storm. But since June, there's been eight um, most of them just the tropical storms. The most recent one is uh, tropical depression. The largest one being a Category One hurricane back in July. So nothing major, but I feel like with like I think you kind of said it, but we're more prepared for hurricanes. Uh, not we, I guess the U.S. definitely, and just because it's a lot easier to predict hurricanes or know when it's gonna happen. Whereas a wildfire, you know, there's so many factors that can start wildfires. You know, people go on hikes and flicking their cigarette butts anywhere, leaving their campfires unattended, you know, just fireworks, whatever it is. It's just so much more human activity that could start it. And that's why it's so much harder to predict and harder to contain. Yeah, well, that that brings up to the unpredictability of it, right? Uh, yeah, like you mentioned, uh, for sure, uh, hurricanes are able to be predicted and it's easier to track. Uh, to see kind of like at what level things will get into. But at the same time, is this uh, there has to be this sense of preparedness, which I think not all natural disasters deserve, or like are getting attention to it, uh, right? Um, so it's just that culture of preparedness that sometimes... Um, not some like I said, some natural disasters they just don't get attention and they can be very devastating. Or certain locations do not uh, give attention to it, and uh, they just end up being quite devastating. Uh, and part of that, for example, it's um, you know earthquake seismic uh, alarm systems. Um, you know, I come from a country, and I've experienced multiple earthquakes. But we do have an alarm system. It helps prevent a lot of uh, loss of life. Maybe it will not prevent a lot of, like now with coding, uh, uh, building codes and all of that, uh, construction codes, there's a lot, uh, less damage in terms of buildings and things like that. But it, it, there's an alarm system put in place because with earthquakes, you don't know when they're going to happen. But once they're happening, you can alert uh the areas that are going to get impacted. So in Mexico, we do have an alarm system put in place, at least in Mexico City, and I'm pretty sure in other cities around the country. So there's that. But from so far that I'm aware, there's no seismic uh, system from in the United States, uh, which is shocking, given that they consider themselves a first world country. And given that, one, they have the San Andreas Fault, which is always, uh, like, uh, people that study tectonic plates are always curious of when all of that tension that has been building up on the San Andreas Fault is going to cause a massive earthquake because 
you know, it's going to happen. Eventually, that tension just needs to be released. Uh, but there's no alarm, seismic, uh, seismic, um, seismic alarm. And it happened this past weekend while Hillary was happening. There was an earthquake. Did people get an early advance or uh, alert of it? No, they just got it when it was happening. So how can I don't, like in a country where you know you're under risk of earthquakes in one of your coasts, I think you should be better prepared for that. So once again, it's that culture of preparedness. And in this case, um, earthquakes are not a priority in the United States, but if we have learned, Earthquakes can be quite devastating. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we've seen it throughout history and not just in the last couple of years, but there's been so many terrible natural disasters in the last, you know, 5, 10, 15 years. You know, and we've talked about before is one that, for me, very personal, was a big earthquake in Nepal back in 2015. And just so many things around that as well, right? Like a lot of countries, first world countries, okay, maybe they can rebuild a lot faster, but take Nepal, for instance. The earthquake happened back in 2015, which was more than eight years ago. And Nepal still hasn't rebuilt fully, right? There's still so many things that are lacking. And so for other countries like that, it is a lot harder to rebuild. And the human loss as well, that, you know, that makes it even worse. So for a lot of times, we can be prepared, but a lot of the times it's really hard to prepare for these natural disasters, I feel. It is hard, but I mean, that's the thing, right? Like if you're a country with so many resources available to you at the time, then you should you should embrace that culture of preparedness in order. Like if you can prevent certain damages, if you can prevent loss, why are actions not being put into place in order to do that and you know a lot of this like i mean there's just so many current events happening right now and like that right some things are unpredictable wildfires and earthquakes something are predictable like hurricanes we know their cycles we know they're gonna happen and there's typhoons in asia there's hurricanes on this side so we know there's going but then there's also things that we're doing as um as society, as a population, that um, that in a certain way exacerbate some of this and put they jeopardize a lot of kind of like uh, the climate itself. And yeah, right now you know uh, another big news happening in Canada is people getting permission to build in the green belt in Ontario, which. Back in the day, it was a big no-no. Mm-hmm. Yep, it seems like a lot of things, you know, as much as we want to say keep political politics out of a lot of things, it's already intertwined, right? We can't remove politics from anything, and it's already, it's it's a big part of society, first of all. So a lot of times when people say, oh, you, you know, keep politics out of this, keep politics out of that, I disagree with that because, let's be honest, political political discourse and politics drives a lot of stuff in our country as well as other countries it does and it they do have an impact in day-to-day um in day-to-day um lives and now we just see it happening more often and people don't want to say yes to it but it is happening i mean 
this year, especially as we go circle back to the wildfire conversation, uh, it was hard. At, like, I mean, Hawaii was a very, uh, it was, it was pretty bad. Uh, it caused, and it has been causing a lot of damage and loss. But over here in Canada, uh, you know, we used to like every like back in the day. I mean, it makes me sound old, but it's not even that recent, even that far away. Like it's more recent. Like it will be like a one or two provinces are facing wildfires. So uh, that's about it. Uh, but this year, simply we had BC with wildfires. We had Alberta with wildfires. We have the new. Uh, the Northwest Territories with wildfires. We had Ontario and Quebec with wildfires. So, uh, I mean, that's quite a lot of places <laughs> to have wildfires in Canada in one summer, right? Uh, especially when that's that used wasn't the pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for some reason, we're still like within the same. Um, within the same um, season, like still not prepared for it or like putting their resources in order to be prepared or in order to help people, right? Like Alberta wasn't that far away in the summer for some reason, uh, still um, they were like they, people in the neighboring provinces and territories were not prepared for it. Right or the federal government did not enact things right away mm-hmm. after what's been what four major wildfires. So that really puts you like kind of like why is it not on high alert that this summer deployment has to be faster in order to if it's gonna happen okay but at least to evacuate the people exactly exactly in order to prevent laws because. That's the thing. It's not just controlling the wildfire, which is priority, but also protecting the population. Yep. So. Yeah. There's so many factors. And like I said, sometimes it feels like, you know, the politicians in charge, they don't really care for it. And half the stuff they do is just for performative action almost. It, yeah, exactly. So um, it is quite interesting, but. Uh, we'll see how things develop. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it is interesting, but also, like I said, it does scare me a little bit too. Like you know, like I said, we we saw so many tornado watches, tornadoes in Ottawa itself. So when you like in Saskatchewan, when we lived there, you know, we did have the occasional bad storm, no earthquakes really, no tornadoes that I recall. Maybe a couple tornado watches. Um, obviously, we had you know cold cold weather but Saskatchewan we're kind of not susceptible to all these other natural disasters and you know you come to the coast obviously there's more things happening with wildfires and bad storms so it is interesting to see a different different perspective because living in Saskatchewan really didn't think much of it because you did hear about it the wildfires were bad in um, Alberta and Saskatchewan but to the level that you witness out here I think and other places of the world you know it is it is a different perspective that you see. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's pretty, pretty outstanding. But I mean, um, all we can do sometimes is just put some more pressure. Exactly. So um, before we wrap up, 
I guess some not so negative news, I guess, uh, is the Women's World Cup recently ended, which is great because it was one of the most uh, watched Women's World Cup. Um, great to see the you know sport growing. Um, obviously, we knew FIFA Men's World Cup was popular, but even with the World Women's World Cup, I, I did manage to watch a little bit of games here and there, but it was kind of hard because it was happening in Australia and New Zealand this year, and the timings were kind of bad, but it was overall pretty fun tournament. Andres, did you end up watching any of the games or did you follow along or? I did not. Just, yeah, just didn't follow it. Yeah, that and that's honestly a lot of people didn't, but a lot of people that I know did also. But to recap, I guess, USA and Canada disappointed. Canada disappointed pretty early. Uh, we've been let down by the Canadian soccer team. Now the women's team, America, you know, they're expected to win Another title, but they lost to Sweden in penalty kicks in the round of 16. Um, in the end, Spain ended up beating England 1-0 in the final. And then Sweden beat Australia 2-0 in the third place game. So overall, the final in the third place game was pretty fun. I ended up watching some of the final, most of the final, I think, and a little bit of the semifinals and quarterfinals. So it was a lot of, lot of fun. Um, like I said, it's really nice to see the sport growing. And, you know, it encourages other young girls and women to join soccer or any other sport they might be interested in. And that's always nice to see, right? Encouraging, very encouraging. Uh, I mean, sometimes I do enjoy women's soccer more than men's soccer, TBH. Yeah, I think it, it's different pace and, you know, different um, vibes almost. But it was honestly, it was good vibes watching the soccer uh, Women's World Cup. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I did another pool with some of the, you know, people that I did the Men's World Cup pool. Obviously, like I said, Canada let me down, so I didn't do too well. But in the end, one of my friends from Saskatchewan, he ended up winning the pool, so he got a pretty nice um, bonus from that. Um, but overall, not a bad time for to be a soccer fan because there's so many things happening. Well... The congrats to the Spanish girls for winning. Exactly. And that's their first World Cup title, I believe. So even more special, right? Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Big congrats. All righty. Shank, anything else to add to this episode? Not really. I know there's so many things that we haven't covered this episode, but I feel like we would be talking forever. Another one that's big recently is the Lucy Letby trial. I'm sure you've seen it. She's a British serial killer who killed at least 13 babies in her care between 2015 and 2016, or who attacked at least 13 and killing seven of them, which is quite a lot. Um, even one is too many. But I, that's one I really wanted to get into, but I know we would talk on forever. But maybe we'll say that for the next episode because of that, that whole how everything went down in that trial and just the nurse herself is pretty interesting. Yeah, I think I'll have to read a little bit more into that, but kind of, I don't know, <laughs> kind of interesting. Yeah, sad, very sad, but it is interesting. But we yeah, will maybe we'll touch up on that in future episodes. But for the most part, you know, I guess we got to do our part to save the environment. And I know we preach that. And sometimes I get frustrated because... I don't think the average person can do much because let's be honest, us recycling paper versus plastic. I mean, in the end, I think they all get mixed anyway. So it's not, that's not going to do much, but it's really up to the corporations and the rich athletes and celebrities who use their private jet to fight different places 
or have you know larger carbon footprints than us. I think it's really up to them. Yeah, we can do our part, but for the most part, I get I I do get discouraged because it seems like you know us average people we get the short end of the stick a lot of times because they tell us to do all this, but for the most part, we're not the ones doing all that. Yeah, it's a give or take, and I think I mean just I know bigger little actions do not have a big impact, but you know if I can encourage some of my friends to do some of the things I do and I can learn from them, some of the things they do, I think kind of like that we can spread a little bit more. What are you looking forward to for the upcoming week? Uh, for the upcoming week, um, I think I have a couple of plans throughout the week to see some friends, haven't seen them in a while. So that should be interesting. Um, so excited for that. Uh, yeah, just uh, kind of like a little bit of a heavy week uh, work-wise. Um, but kind of like keep me, keeps me on my toes. But yeah, nothing too major. How about Jeffrey Shang? What are you looking for? So this week, I'm looking forward to, it's one of those weeks where I'm looking forward to the weekend already because same thing for me, that work is a little bit on the busier side. So looking to get through the week. Um, so last week, I actually managed to go out to watch the fireworks in Ottawa. So we also have the different countries putting on fireworks. And this past Saturday was the last one for the summer. And it was like, a, I guess, they didn't really have a theme for it. It was a surprise theme. But it was pretty it was pretty cool. We watched it from a little far, so it's kind of kind of disappointing. But for the most part, it was a pretty fun fireworks show. Um, this next week, I I'm also looking forward to going to the Northern Lights show. So they have a projector set up on Parliament Hill, and they have different um, light shows illuminating on the Parliament Building. And I haven't gone to that yet, so my goal is to get out there on Saturday. It kind of sucks because it's so late at night. It starts at nine forty-five. Um, makes sense because it has to be dark enough for you know for you to see the light on the parliament building, but coming back is going to be a kind of um, challenging, but nonetheless, I think I want to make it out there, see the Northern Lights show, because I haven't done that yet. That would be pretty exciting. Yep, I'm really looking forward to it, because I have seen good things from it. It kind of sucks, because, you know, the parliament's been under construction for who, for the past two, three, four, five, who knows how long at this point, and then another 10 years, so there's still, like, cranes and construction equipment in the way, but I think, nonetheless, I think I've heard good things about it, so definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, that's going to be at least more 10 years of those cranes there. <laughs> yep. But that's okay. All right, Rishank. So where can our listeners reach out to us? So like always, if you have any comments, concerns, questions, or cry yourself, you can always reach out to us on Instagram, mostly Instagram, and maybe Twitter at the Two Average Brandos or our personal uh, Instagram pages. Hit us up, talk to us about you know what your thoughts are on the current events, uh, natural disasters happening around the world, whether it's fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, floodings in India that we didn't talk about or the European floods, I believe, as well, or the European heat waves that has been going on. Uh, there's so many things that we haven't touched upon just because we don't have the time. But if you want to hear us talk to us about it, or if you want to talk to us on a future episode, let us know. We'll be happy to have you. For sure. We're excited to listen to you. If there's anything happening that you want to talk about, let us know. But yeah, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Two Average Friends with Podcast. And we can't wait to talk to you again next week. Bye.
Bye. Yeah.